Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me today is Zach Albalverde, uh, covers Florida for On Three at Gators Online. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. We're uh, inching closer to SEC Media Days, talking season, so it's exciting, man. Yes. Um, yeah, Florida, LSU. Um, we, we don't know if you. In 2024 and beyond, if the the rivalry they're going to hold together, everybody's like LSU is just going to have A and M. Uh, whenever they flip it to that, and then after that, you know the schedule will probably go to nine games at some point. So sure. we'll probably see LSU, Florida, in some rivalry capacity again. But still, play every to play every single year for Florida and LSU. Um, I've only been here for two years now, but um, it was the 2021 game in Baton Rouge was my first ex- real experience at Tiger Stadium <laughs> where Ty Davis price rushed for like a billion yards and LSU somehow won that game. Um, that was the him. Anthony Richardson coming out performance. Yeah. And it was just a, a very interesting game where I, a lot was happening at that time. And I was yep, kind of, no doubt. Out, but still. Um, so then you get Billy Napier in 2022 season, first year, six and seven overall. Just how would you summarize that first year under Billy Napier with everything that he had, all the challenges that he had, everything he kind of had to do in year one? Yeah, I mean, it was it was an up and down season that I think um, I think a lot of people going into it knew there was the capacity for. And then they come out week one and beat number seven, Utah. And I think that price set the expectations uh, a little bit too high. 
than than where the program was at and where the roster was at. They clearly had talent. Um, you can see that in some of the games that they were in, some of the games that they won. And then, you know, even in the NFL NFL draft with some of the guys that got picked. But uh, top to bottom, overall, um, as the season played out, you could see that, you know, once the SEC uh, slate took its toll and they started playing some of the better teams in the conference, that Florida just wasn't um, where they needed to be. And um, it's been a roster rehaul for Billy. I, I just wrote the latest numbers in a story the other day. They had. 35 total departures from their 2022 roster. And that includes the six draft picks that they had. Um, But 35 total. That includes seniors that left, transfers, um, everything. And somehow they replaced that attrition with uh, 36 guys via the high school recruiting ranks and and, and the transfer uh, ranks, you know, two guys Juco, but uh, 22 that they brought in uh, as high school recruits and then 14 total transfers. So um, it was needed because if you just looked at where they were at last season, um, it was clear. And like I said, in some of the be- better opponents that they played, that there needed to be some upgrades um, on both sides of the ball. And um, are they there yet? No, but I think that they took a probably a good step in the right direction this offseason. Yeah, I wanted to ask about kind of the challenge that this is for Napier and the staff um, coming off of what Dan Mullen did and maybe the shortcomings that he had, uh, whether it's on the recruiting trail or just um, in general. I don't think people understand how much of a rebuild, rebuild that this is like a complete overhaul rebuild. And yeah. as we mentioned, I mean, not only in the back end, but also now losing Richardson, Dexter, Torrance, guys like that. Like, that. how much of a rebuild is this? Yeah, I mean, I I think it it's it's multifaceted because it's not just um, you know it's not just I think from a talent standpoint. I think that's number one, obviously. But it it, it you know the the culture had to be changed. Um, the whole operation had to be changed in terms of how they do things from a, a team standpoint, from a uh, recruiting standpoint, the staffing that's taken place. Um, it was a, a complete change in the organization. In a way, um, it, it was almost like a blessing that they had the Heaven or Center um, kind of open up this brand new, you know, $86 million facility um, that, that kind of came about after the coaching change, because it was a good way for them to just kind of reset everything. Um, The staff was able to have some input on the new building and then kind of have a place where they could put their operation, um, you know, in motion. And and I think um, just based on how the off season has gone, some of the stuff that I've observed and heard um, things are, are in a much better place just from that standpoint. Um, And I, I just, I think that, you know, Dan Mullen did a lot of great things at Florida um, and he was a great coach and a great X's and O's play caller. Um, I think that, that, you know, one clear knock on him um, is just not having the structure in place for his program. I think from, you know, a staffing standpoint, from a culture standpoint, and I think that his standards coming from Mississippi state and his exposure and being there for so long 
uh, just a lot different than what Billy was exposed to coming up, being at Alabama, being at Clemson, getting exposed to guys like Dabo and Nick. Um, you know, it's it's just different, uh, you know, and I think that that is reflective in how he runs his program. Now, does that, you know, is that going to lead to a better result on Saturday? We're going to find out. Um, but that kind of just speaks to how much they've had to really build a new foundation and start from scratch. Yeah. Now, looking at this year's team, I want to start on offense. Graham Mertz at quarterback, uh, the return Mont- Montreal Johnson. Last year, was offense was so run heavy, but it was one of the best running offense, rushing offenses in the country. Do you expect it to look the same? Do you expect it to be similar type of balance between running and passing? Obviously, Anthony Richardson, not a quarterback, kind of changes that. But just what are your yeah. overall expectations of this offense? Yeah, I think um, first of all, from a from a passing standpoint, I think the goal for for Graham Mertz, who I expect to be the starter will be to try at the very least to, to produce numbers that were similar to Anthony, if not better in some categories. Um, I don't know if he's going to throw for as many yards as Anthony did. I think um, Anthony was right around 2,600. Um, and Graham merged through for right under 2,200 last season, which was a career high for him. Um, but in, in terms of the, you know, the touchdowns and, and the interceptions, I think Anthony only finished with 17 um you know, last season, I think, you know, he only threw for, gosh, I can't remember the number. I want to say it was only like four picks or something like that in the last, uh, you know, in the last however many games. So he had a really good stretch, but I think he had eight for the season. Um, so, you know, when you look at Graham Mertz, the big knock on him has been, um, or I guess the concern, should I say, is his history with turning over the ball and specifically throwing interceptions. And that stems from his 2021 season where he had 10 touchdown passes and 11 picks, which is not – those are not good numbers. Um, to his credit, the next the next season, which was this past year in 2022, he went from 10 touchdowns and 11 interceptions to 19 touchdowns and 10 picks. So he pretty much doubled his number of, of touchdowns that he threw, and he brought his interceptions down at least one, I think. You know, the goal for him would be if he can get into single-digit territory with mm-hmm. interceptions um, and then throw for 20 touchdowns. If he could do that at Florida, that would be great. That would be more than what Anthony had last year. And then, again, he had under 2,200 yards. If he can surpass that, get close to 24, 2,500, that would be enough, more than enough, I think, uh, passing production from him so that Florida can run what I expect it to be, which is going to still be a run-heavy offense. And um, I think, to your point, we saw Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne and how much they were featured last year as a duo. I think you're going to see even more from those guys. Um, I've wrote this before. I think that they're going to become the first running backs in school history to both eclipse 800 yards in a single season. Um, I think that's coming. So – and they were close last year to doing it. Um, so I, I think that those guys are still going to be the focal point, but Graham is still going to have to produce in the passing game. And uh, I think that they are going to have a better uh, receiving corpse than I think people expect because Ricky Pearsall is obviously the lone returning starter, and he's kind of the, the stud at that spot. And I think PFF has him graded as the third highest 
returning receiver in the league. So, but there's a lot of unknowns behind him. Um, I think that Billy Gonzalez being back as a receivers coach, who's uh, his, his track record is, is pretty extensive and impressive. Um, I think that he's going to turn Pierce onto a stud. And I think he's going to raise the level of that receiver room. But specifically, I think that the three, the three freshman receivers that they brought in um, are going to maybe, maybe be difference makers and give this offense a little bit more uh, playmaking ability than they had maybe last season um, and more weapons. So I'm excited to see how it plays out because I, I think they're going to be run heavy. Um, yeah. I think they're going to be a run first offense. But I, 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 I said all that stuff at the beginning – I think Graham is more than capable of producing enough in the passing game to be close to what Richardson was. Now he's not going to be close to what Richardson was in the running game Um, and and not even at all. Um, So that's, and that's the difference. And that's where Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne um, and Cam Carroll are going to probably have to have a little bit more that they carry on their shoulders uh, in terms of a workload. On defense, Florida uh, Napier brings in a new defensive coordinator with Austin Armstrong uh, from Southern Miss. I was so I had went on a uh, run. I did every single opponent for LSU this year. I did a full you know, preview, like a thousand words on all of them, and so I, I I was able to look at them. And I was I forgot how poorly Florida rated defensively last year. It was a uh, um, I mean obviously you watch the games, but then it's like you get caught up in the Florida, Florida state game. And then you really look back on it. It's like, Oh yeah, Florida state, you know, 45 points. It just, it stacks up the LSU game, for instance, you know, it's like stacks yeah. up. Um, so I didn't realize how bad it was last year, but now new defensive coordinator, is this a complete overhaul schematically, you know, personnel wise, or cause obviously, like I said, losing um, the draft picks that they lost, I think is substantial, but just yeah. what do you expect to see and what have you seen so far as far as the defense goes? Yeah. I mean, you know, you mentioned the draft picks. I think that, that you're right. Uh, especially, you know, the highest one on defense was Jervon Dexter, uh, who will be difficult to replace um, had it not been for the transfers. But I think more importantly, you lost both of your inside linebackers who got drafted in Ventrell Miller and Amari Bernie. Like those guys were veterans senior leaders have been through multiple defenses, multiple staffs, like so much value in those two guys running your defense and making the calls. So that to me is a a big question mark. Now they got a lot of players at that position. Um, I think Shamar James is definitely going to be one of those starters. And then they've got some veterans and and one of those transfers from Ohio state, Taraja Mitchell, that I think will probably be the other one. Um, But you know, they're, there is some 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 question marks there. They basically lost all of their starters in the secondary, um, except for Jason Marshall. Now they get Jaden Hill back, but he's um, switched to a different position. And the position he switched to, nickel, at least in the spring, he was working as the backup. So um, you know, now Jason Marshall, you know, they're bringing SEC Media Days. I think he's got a chance to have a really special year as a junior. But um, they're replacing their starting safeties, both of them. They're replacing their nickel. Um, there's going to be a battle for that other cornerback spot because Jaden Hill has moved. So um, there's a lot of, of newness there. Um, and then up front, uh, you know, you lost uh, Jervon Dexter. But, you know, their front seven has a chance to, to um, I think, be a deeper 
per, perhaps this season, um, just because of what they were they've been able to add from the high school ranks and then from the transfer portal. Like Caleb Banks and Cam Jackson are going to be dudes in the interior of the defensive line. Both of them are probably going to start as transfers. Um, and then you know Florida brought in several guys. I think at inside linebacker that you could see make an impact. Um, but to, to go back to where you started, which was Austin Armstrong, I think what's uh, fortunate for Florida is being able to find him given the circumstances of Patrick Tony's exit. He literally leaves like a week before spring football starts. <laughs> and like, you know. He didn't, he didn't put in his two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think they knew it was coming because Billy made a hire, you know, as soon as it was done. Yeah. Uh, it, might, it might not have been a week. Maybe it was two weeks out. But uh, point is, it was right before spring ball. And, you know, any head coach that you put in that situation, that's a tough ass to then go hire a defensive coordinator. And in most scenarios, you know, with all those factors in play, you're probably not going to be able to get a guy that is was running the same scheme as the other guy unless you promote. Um, or you just promote. Yeah. yeah, you know, but if you go make a hire, you're probably now bringing somebody in. If you can get them in for spring ball, that is now going to install a brand new scheme instead of all your players learning year two of, of Patrick Tony's system. So, like, that the, the potential for that was catastrophic. Um, and what happens? They go out and hire Austin Armstrong, who literally coached and came up under Billy Napier and Patrick Tony at Louisiana. Then, oh, by the way, went to Georgia for a year to learn from Curry Smart then comes back to Louisiana with Patrick Tony and, and Billy as a, a linebackers coach, then goes and calls plays at Southern Miss for two years as the DC and then gets hired by Nick Saban. Um, that pedigree and that background and that history is pretty appealing uh, for a lot of reasons. So I don't think Billy could have had this work out really any better um, just in terms of like, the, the tough spot that he was in having to replace his DC. Now then on top of that, um, we will find out how uh, Austin Armstrong does as a play caller. Right. But just in terms of his impact on the players in his first spring and his job coaching them in practice and interacting with them off the field, um, he was a huge hit. And I think, um, was a welcome change from Patrick Tony, who was um, by no means disliked by the players. Um, several, I know several guys that loved it, loved him, but he was a laid back coach. Um, you know, his, his demeanor was much different than Patrick or than Austin Armstrong, who is high energy, enthusiastic, just a different dude. And I think that, um, you know, the players have just loved the guy and, um, you know, it's it's it, from a personality standpoint, he fits in at Florida better than Patrick does. Now, whether or not now if he goes out there and doesn't call great defenses on Saturday, you know, that won't matter. But I think he's going to uh, just given his pedigree. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation, the ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas, arriving in 2024. Book today.
Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We've talked about a few transfers already along the defensive line, um, at receiver, uh, obviously Grant Mertz at quarterback. Are there any others that you're interested to watch this year? Um, maybe that, you know, we haven't talked about enough or just generally that you're interested to watch? Yeah, I mean, obviously Graham is uh, – their season is going to hinge on how well he does, um, I think. And then obviously along the offensive line, uh, Micah Mazuka was their number one rated transfer that they got in, according to the on three transfer portal player rankings. I think it was 175th nationally. Um, they They signed seven transfers in the top 275. Um, but he was the, the the highest one that they signed. And he went through a sh- shoulder uh, surgery in the offseason, but they expect him to be good to go this season uh, and for the opener. So he's going to be basically replacing uh, Osiris Torrance, who was, you know, the All-American who got a brick uh, and spent one season here after transferring over from Louisiana. So he's got big shoes to fill, but he was also, uh, you know, one of the, you know, the best uh guards in the uh, Pac-12 so I I think that he's got a chance to come in and make an immediate impact and then you know they moved Austin Barber over from right to left tackle um, because uh, you know they lost Richard Garage so now they got a battle at at the right tackle spot between two SEC transfers and Damian George and Keontae Goodwin a former five-star who signed with Kentucky so um, you feel good about that spot Uh, those two guys duking it out a guy that started for Alabama um and, and then a five-star recruit so those are some impact transfers and i think one other guy worth mentioning uh you know i mentioned the linebackers uh, i think mitchell will probably be the guy that you see the most from florida but then at safety i mean you, you can't go without mentioning rj moton from michigan who was a critical get for this staff uh ba- billy basically openly said we got to go get a transfer portal player after spring ball at safety yeah. And then he went and did it and he went and got a, you know, a starter from Michigan. Um, when you think about that, that defense and, and the season that they had making to the college football playoff. I mean, that's a, that's an impressive get. Um, and, you know, we'll see how he fits in, but man, I think he's going to immediately start and how great it would have, it is for them because had he not, had they not landed him um, or anybody else that fit that profile of a veteran power five starter, they're going to be rolling out out there with two true sophomores as their starting safeties. Um, And that's not a great ideal position to be in uh, defensively. So now you'll have a veteran back there in RJ and now just one of those sophomores starting and the other one rotating regularly, but that's a, that's a much better place to be in on the back end. And then I wanted to ask you um, if there was an X factor position unit this year, kind of in a sense of, if this team reaches its potential or maybe exceeds its potential that it could kind of flip things. Whereas if it doesn't reach its potential, we could be looking at things a little different. I just from listening to you, I feel like maybe defensive line could be one just because of the transfers additions. But what, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Cam Jackson has a chance to be Florida's one of Florida's best players on defense. So um, at nose tackle, Mm-hmm. the Memphis transfer. So I, I think that, you know, you you plug him in there and 
that that raises the bar because you still got Desmond Watson there as well. Both of them are going to play at nose, and they're they're going to be both good luck trying to block those guys. Uh, imagine they put them on the field at the same time. Um, so, but I, I think Jackson is, is going to I think raise the bar there on the defensive line, and then Caleb Banks. Um, I wouldn't put him as X factor, but he's almost equally as important because he's the guy that's replacing Javon Dexter, and mm-hmm. you know. That you know the 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 role that Javon played on that defensive line and and how talented he was and the blocks that he took on and the assignments that he was given, um, those are big shoes to fill as well. So um, and then I, I mean I, I because I, he I know what I'm going to get out of Florida's running backs, right? Mm-hmm. I, I have a sense for what I'm going to get out of Florida's offensive line, mm-hmm. um, even the transfers. I don't know what I'm going to get out of Graham Mertz. Um, I think that he is going to perform better than maybe people expect, but is it going to be good enough for Florida to maybe have, you know, a a better season or a better record than they're getting projected right now? That remains to be seen. But in a way, from that sense, I feel like, you know, he could be an X factor, but not necessarily be one of their most important players on offense or, or like a weapon. But if he operates that thing well and, you know, is able to make plays when his numbers is called, but more importantly, just run it like a now fourth-year Power 5 starter and get the the offense out of bad looks, make the right reads at the line of scrimmage, make the easy check, dump down throws. And I think early in the season, sometimes Anthony Richardson even missed as a first-year starter. Um, There's the potential there that he – can just do his job well enough and Florida is just humming uh, on the ground um, that they can have a pretty good offensive attack. Um, And then I think, you know, the other one defensively, you know, Cam Jackson, I think is going to, has to be a force in the middle. If he's not, like you said, that could affect how well Florida is defensively. Um, But also at inside linebacker, as I mentioned that earlier, um, whoever those two guys are that really, stand out as the alpha dogs um those two are going to be able to have to have the same type of impact defensively that ventrell miller and, and amari bernie had um i think shamar james is ready to do it and i think he's talented enough that's one of the highest rated recruits that florida has signed on this team they beat alabama and georgia for him so he's got to have to be one of those guys but again um you know, we'll see if they can measure up to Ventrell uh, and Amari because those dudes uh, had really good years last year, and that's why they got picked in the in the draft. Yeah. All right, we can wrap it up uh, looking at this season kind of as a whole right now. Um, just looking at the schedule, I mean, right before the season starts, five top 15 teams on the schedule. <laughs> I mean, between – and it's and it's spread out too. It's just Utah, Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, Florida State all on the schedule. Uh, and then that doesn't even include like who you know South Carolina, Arkansas, Kentucky, who are going to be fine, you know, good teams yeah. again. Um, this is one of the more challenging schedules I've seen. Uh, that's eight really tough games right there, and it's a Florida team that's obviously rebuilding, but like you said, has a lot of talent on it with its transfers. Um, I think if if they if they make a bowl game, I mean that's pretty impressive from, from yeah. there. I mean. That's, and then you go from there, obviously, we'll see what the bowl game is. But in theory, you make a bowl game, you play the bowl game because, you know, bowl games are crapshoots a little bit. 
you can go seven and six, we're looking at a a real positive swing for Billy Napier's team. I think what did Vegas have the win total at five and a half right now? Yeah, they they, they got him at five and a half. Um, you know, I the, to me there's 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 some fact, and I wrote this you know for our, uh, you know SEC Media Days preview and some storylines to follow here. Um, and the last one was you know can the Gators just be a better team this year? I think yeah. that ultimately that's what everybody wants to know. Um, nobody expects them to, you know, win the SEC or even win the East. But you know, the bar is not too uh, too high um, in terms of being able to improve on because you're talking about back to back six and seven seasons that they're coming off of. One of those was not Billy's, um, and you're all, but last season they didn't beat any of their rivals. So you know in <laughs> And a lot of, and it's going to be tough to beat them again this season because they're among the teams that are ranked um, that you refer to. So, uh, to me, I think there's some criteria there, and to me, it starts with the win loss total. Like you, you've been six and seven in the last two years. At the very least, you have to flip those numbers. At the very least, like now, if he goes six and seven again, is at the end of the world. Like he's not going to get fired. Um, but nobody's gonna be happy. So, like, like at the very least, with a tough schedule, you got to be able to flip that. Uh, and if you go seven and six, already there, you're winning. <laughs> yeah, you know, because uh, that means that means you probably went, you know, you either went six and six, and um, you know, and and, and, and then you won game. your bowl game, or you you know went seven and five, and then you lost your bowl game. Um, but but regardless, if you finish seven and six, like you're already doing better than Vegas projected you, um, and so that's that's the start. I, I just I think they cannot have another losing record. Like that's just um, and, and you know maybe and then if they finish six and six, like it's going to be critical that they win that bowl game. They haven't won a bowl game since 2019. Um, but even more important than the bowl game, like they could lose the bowl game, they need to beat one of their rivals. Um, I think that that is going to matter to fans, um, and it should. Florida State, you know, LSU, Georgia. Florida State, LSU, Georgia, and Tennessee. Don't forget Tennessee, Tennessee because to me, that's the game that they got to win. Uh, I did some. I did five must-win games for Florida this season um, that I kind of characterize as as that I felt like they had to win for. Um, just so that they can have a, the record that they want to have um, for perception to please fans. And to me, Tennessee is one of those games. I don't know if you know this. Tennessee has not won in the swamp. And they play every year. Tennessee has not won in the swamp. When do you think the last time they won? Oh, God. Was, was Peyton Manning the quarterback? I don't know. No, it was a little bit after that, but 2003. Close. I mean, it's been two decades since they won in the swamp. So um, now, granted, Florida dominated. They had that long winning streak against Tennessee. Got broken in 2016 in Knoxville. Um, yeah. But the Gators have not lost at home since 2003, which was the Ron Zook years. So now Tennessee's coming in hot. Uh, their their coach is is, is great. And um, they had a, a, a great season last year, but they did lose their quarterback and they did lose some, some key pieces. And, yeah. you know, Joe Milton is going to be coming into his first 
SEC road start of the season early in the year. Yeah, week three. Like, to me, that is the game they have to win. Um, Because they go on the road at Kentucky, and I put that as a must-win game because then if they lose that game – that's that's uh, that'd be three three years in a row that they've lost the Wildcats, which is crazy. But I I mean I feel like if you had to lose one, as ugly as that sounds, I feel like fans can stomach losing on the road more than they will take. Like they Kentucky's not a rival. Like you got to beat Tennessee at home, defend your home turf, defend that streak that you got against them. Um, and I think that that game can be the difference in whether Florida finishes with, you know, seven wins. Um, so, but I, 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 I do, I will say I like their chances against a lot of the other teams. Like I, I think that they can beat South Carolina on the road. Like they, um, mm-hmm. they, they beat them handily in the swamp last year. Uh, granted they had Richardson and that was one of his better games. Um, and Arkansas I, at home. you know, and I think they, they got to beat Arkansas at home. Because they're bringing out the black jerseys, um, <laughs> they're bringing out the black unis, man. Like you cannot bring out those uniforms and lose that game. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. To, to yeah. death well, at that point. I don't know if you remember the swamp green uniforms that they wore against uh, Texas A&M the week before they played LSU, and um, yeah. that was the you know, year McElwain got fired, and um, those were forever banned. So um, I don't want to see them. Ban the black unis, which I'm excited for. So, uh, but that's going to be a hard one, man. I think uh, Arkansas. I think they got the best quarterback running back combo in the SEC with KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. That's yeah. That's that that's, that's tough to top. I mean LSU might have an argument. Um, no, they don't. They, the LSU doesn't have the running back. Yeah, so I I, I think I think that's a special combo. That's going to be a tough uh, team to beat. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Um, but again, I think to circle back, at the very least, flip flip their record and go uh, seven and six. And hey, man, if you get to eight wins, um, however you get there, whether it's with the bowl or if you go eight and four during the regular season, like I think a lot of people would be happy. And I, I don't think that it's. Uh, I think if they beat Tennessee and they went on the road at Kentucky, they can win eight games. Um, yeah, we'll we'll know early early on. It's you know Utah, McNeese, Tennessee, Charlotte, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina. Like that's the first seven games right there. Yeah, if they come out of that. I mean, you come out of that five and two, six and one, somewhere like that, and then the back end is yeah, the back end's tough. I mean, you're going you're you're as as much as Florida fans don't want to hear it. Like I, you know, right now that game against Florida State looks like a loss. Um, you know, the game at LSU looks like is a loss. Um. The, the obviously the game against Georgia is a loss. So um, now we're saying that's you know right now so much can happen between then and now. But I think those are going to be tough teams to beat, especially Georgia. Um, yeah. And you know, hey, if uh, it's a rivalry though, I, I know of all those games, Florida fans will be holding out hope for that FSU one because if they, you know, they have like a six and six years seven and five year but then fsu comes into the swamp last game in the season um number three four in the country and florida plays spoiler that's um so i we'll we'll see if they can do it like you said we'll find out early on what this team is like yeah 
All right, Zach. Um, thanks for joining me, man. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, again, y'all can follow Zach's uh, coverage for Florida uh, for on three at Gators Online. Zach, this is uh, this was really good. Thanks, man. Absolutely, man. Will you uh, you be in Nashville? I will not. I got a wedding. That's why I'm over here in San in San Antonio. I'm, I got oh, a okay. wedding, so nice. Won't be able nice. to make it to Nashville. And of course, LSU is on the first day, so it's literally just it just doesn't work out. Doesn't work yeah. out. Brian Kelly's kicking like, it off for us, man. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, you gonna be in Nashville? I will. I will. Right, I, I I never turned down an opportunity to go to Nashville. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good model to live by. It's a good model. To live yes. By. So, um, hey, man, it was, this was fun, um, and we came to uh, revisit during the season, man. For sure. Thanks, man. All right. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed it's time to go dancing on america's number one sports book right now new customers get 200 dollars in bonus bets if your first five dollar bet wins on fanduel that's 200 bucks to use on point spreads money lines you can even pick who's going to win it all just visit fanduel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.